Hey, you just stumbled upon Enter the Asylum, a podcast about two brothers who try to watch every single silent film ever produced. We're your hosts, Benjamin. And John. Um, I imagine everyone you're listening right now is wondering, uh, what exactly is the Asylum? Well, I mean, if you found this podcast, I would assume you know something about the Asylum, but we should just explain it. <laughs> well, the Asylum is a film studio uh, who basically are well, most well-known for making the Sharknado franchise, as well as the Mega Shark franchise, and uh, two a bunch other of unknown films. A bunch of terrible CGI killer shark movies. Uh, you mentioned Sharknado, the Make a Shark series. Uh, Two-Headed Shark Attack is another good one. Shark City, Shark Apocalypse, Shark Land. It's kind of endless, actually. It's shark movies sharks. Are, shark movies are, are half of what they do, and then the other half of what they do, uh, what they're also known for, is um, the mockbusters, where they uh, rip off some uh, popular Hollywood blockbuster and give it a slightly different title, uh, you know, Transmorphers for Transformers, or, you know, The Incredible Man of Iron, or, you know, whatever. Uh, but how... <laughs> Man of Iron is so bad. It's, I, I it's just... really awful. Okay, I, I'm going to be honest here. I just made that up. I didn't actually know that was an actual Asylum title. It might title. be. It sounded like one. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> I don't actually know. I assumed you were being real right now. Uh, Transmorphers is a real one, but uh, uh, Man Ours of Iron... Go is beautiful. Oh. It's, it's the same Pokemon Go sort of style thing they're going for. I, so I, I definitely start getting on that money train. They're trying to. I love that they've started ripping off Pixar films. I cannot wait. Uh, the CGI is going to be so terrible. But we are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves right now. Um, so in those recent films, we've made like 200 films uh, beforehand, uh, including the film we just watched today, which was their very first film, uh, not officially under the asylum title but the sequel was so this is technically the first asylum film you could say made by all the same people who started the asylum which is uh the killers the film we just watched today yeah the asylum got its start um ripping off uh hollywood big hollywood films but in slightly less blatant ways but still pretty blatant so Um, let's get to the film i suppose now well, you should start by explaining what's on the poster for this movie. Ah, yes. This is a film that's inspired in the vein of Quentin Tarantino's Reservoir Dogs. Um, needless to say, it's nothing like Reservoir Dogs. No. It's certainly not as good as Reservoir Dogs, but it's just nothing like Reservoir Dogs. The only thing this movie has in common with Reservoir Dogs is that there are a bunch of criminals in suits... Uh, who spend most of the movie in a warehouse. Complaining. And that's where the similarities end. Um, but there are a bunch of uh, sort of Pulp Fiction-y sort of references in, in this movie, uh, which we'll get to. All right. And speaking of getting to it, let's get into the film. <laughs> Great transition. <laughs> Brilliant transition. I try. Um, so okay, the film. How starts... how do you do it? <laughs> the film starts off with shut up. The film starts off with um, a monologue by our main character Heather, who is a quote unquote stupid rich girl, um, who's come going on for boyfriend as well as uh, to to, to be fair, she is incredibly stupid. Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, she's basically just came to this sort of 
drug meetup, presumably. So the premise of this film, uh, I'll try to explain this. Uh, it's very straightforward. That's the one thing I will give this movie, is that the premise is incredibly straightforward, and it's laid out for you very clearly. Which is basically uh, a gang of five, six people um, are trying to buy and sell drugs at one-tenth the street value. Uh, they basically get a drug dealer named Speed to buy the drugs from. Um, the deal ends up going sour when a the group who the man Speed stole the drugs from comes and tries to take the drugs back. Uh, they basically go and murder every single member of the gang, and that's basically the film. Yeah, the, our, our protagonists are the like amateur drug dealers who are uh, buying the drugs from Speed for, like you say, one-tenth of the street value. Um, and they're meeting up in this, this abandoned warehouse in East L.A. Um, and, and then, yes, that's when the antagonists of the film, the, uh, the titular uh, killers, uh, show up. Uh, and they're the criminals in suits. So, <laughs> all right, we'll, we'll try and go through sort of a one by scene by scene sort of basis here. Um, so the film starts off with them entering this warehouse where the deal is presumably is going to about to start. Um, they're waiting for their dealer, who's called Speed, to show up and basically give them the drugs. What's funny is that they're talking about it in such a way. Well, actually, before before they even enter the warehouse, they have a nice like lingering establishing shot of uh, where you get to be uh, introduced to all of our protagonists, all five of them, who uh, let me just say are incredibly distinct characters whose names I totally remember uh, and who are in no way uh, easily mistakable for the others. They are fully fleshed out, totally, totally well thought out characters. Um, and if you couldn't t detect the sarcasm in my voice, uh, this podcast may not be for you, but um, <laughs> You get you get an established shot where they they spend a full uh, 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 several seconds just staring up at this uh, warehouse uh, that they're uh, waiting at to meet Speed in, um, and the the funny thing I, I I find is that they're all talking as if this drug deal is going to be the thing that makes them rich, but there's a whole phase two to their plan because in order to actually make the money, they have, they to, then... have to sell the drugs. Yeah. Right. They're going to have to actually sell them on the street, which I mean, not that I don't think they could do it, but they're talking about, it's like, well, what are you going to do when you get your money? Like, uh, I'm going to, uh, there's a one guy who's like, I'm going to open up a, a nice coffee shop, you know, a nice, you know, place, you know, piano playing in the corner. It's going to be great. It's like, you haven't actually gotten the money yet. That's, that's, that's further down the road. Uh, to make discussion a bit easier, I'm just going to go over the characters. Uh, our main cast of Nerd Wills. Uh, so there's this extremely high-pitched man named Charlie, who is a sort of, I don't know, chaotic character of the group. He's, He's the spaz. He's, spaz. Spaz. <laughs> He's the spaz sort of um, character trying to basically sort of cause trouble he, yeah, he's the spaz. Uh, he's glasses guy Jude, who is the smart one, sort of. Uh... He's the most logical of the group, I'd say. If he, was the, glasses. if he was smart, he wouldn't be here. No, he's but Heather. He's, the he's the coffee shop guy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, there's Heather, who's the rich girl. Um, 
who's just going along with her boyfriend, Ray, who's the ragtag leader. Uh, that's basically the cast and crew. Oh, and then there's a, a what's her name? Uh, uh, Leisuke uh, the Mexican as well. Girl. Um, doesn't do much. She's sort of I don't know. I think they try to play her as a sort of stable character she, group who's trying to keep everyone together. But no, she, uh, you know what she is? She's the uh, she's the character with street smarts. She's the she's the only character uh, who is. Who, who's demonstrated to have actual street smarts. And that includes the guy who's actually leading this, this ragtag group of, of amateur drug dealers. So they enter the warehouse. Um, it looks like a, again, like a haunted house sort of. We're using park. the term warehouse pretty loosely <laughs> here. Loose. Yeah. yeah. If, if, cause like, it's not it's not a warehouse like in Reservoir Dogs where it's just, you know, an empty warehouse. It's this, like, five-story brick building. It's not a factory. It, it, yeah, it's more like a factory. There's, like, there's a whole room where there's, like, just hooks, like, you know, with stuff, like, hanging from them. There's a whole, like, cellar part where it's just, like, a bunch of poles uh, and it's lit with, like, a fluorescent light. Uh, lighting this movie, by the way, is just all over the place. There's a that's how that you can distinguish the the different rooms. There's the there's the red room. There's the blue room. There's the fluorescent room. There's the green room. There's the there's the all in the half in shadow room. Um, I'll see right now the camera angles definitely don't help with the sort of size or perspective of the factory warehouse. Well, it also doesn't help that the story. Deliberately starts fucking with you after a certain point where you're not even supposed to take it as a given that the characters are actually seeing what they're seeing. Um, but yeah. Oh, and there's a there's a fish tank. Um, <laughs> we'll get to random. that. We'll get to that. Um, um, so I, I like to th you know what I like to think uh, that wherever this place is, it's now some like microbrewery in I like the this. arts district. It's like totally gentrified now. They probably like trade on the like you know the reputation of like oh did you hear about you know the the crazy set of murders that happened? Yeah, some crazy drug deal that went bust. Anyway, you know this is our uh, this is our premium blend. Uh, it's uh, I. <laughs> I kind of like to think it more it's more like to become sort of like a, some sort of haunted uh, amusement you'd open up during October. They explore the haunted factory where a group of drug dealers were murdered. No, I'm going full. I'm I'm going full gentrification angle here. I'm going like full like you know urban arts district sort of thing because I think it is in that part of town. I'm not sure they ever state where it is exactly. I, what city is the, this anyway? Well, it's L.A. Okay. Well, it's well, it's definitely L.A. And the montage at the start, it's them like driving over uh, uh, one of the bridges over the river. You can see the downtown skyline in the back. Uh, they're driving past a bunch of like warehouses, industrial areas. Um, but who knows where the actual like filming location was? It could be East L.A. It could be, it could be in Riverside for all I know. Um, hell, I mean, yeah, it could be. Yeah, actually, you know, there you go. It could be San Bernardino. Uh, just out in bumfuck nowhere. Uh... <laughs> um, so Heather sort of then proceeds to wander around the factory getting lost. Um, she's clearly high on something. Every time she's alone, the camera does this weird, like, uh, it, it, it keeps, like, jump cutting ahead a little bit, and there's this little, like, blur transition, which I, I guess is supposed to convey that she's a little 
out of it. Um, she eventually runs into Ray, and they proceed to have sex in the factory, which, you know, fills off the, the one asylum quota. Check that off the bingo uh, map. As one does. <laughs> um, Ray confesses his love, uh, and that sort of resolves that scene. I'm um, so glad we resolved that. <laughs> Uh, I don't know how you remember these characters' names, by the uh, way. Like, are, I wrote them all down. Every time I heard a name, okay. I, wrote them down. I don't. <laughs> I don't know these characters' names. Really. Um. So, Speed and Nikki are the one. Nikki. Those are the only two names I could remember. Okay, so they're continuing for Speed. Uh, Heather goes to use the bathroom, which, by the way, no. It's disgusting. It's it's absolutely filthy. Why would you? This place is clearly abandoned. Don't don't use the bathroom in an abandoned warehouse. That's like how you. That's how like a roof collapses or you fall down a hole. I feel like I contracted something for what from the toilet she used. <laughs> um, and I wasn't even there. So as something basically attacks her, it should not just be speed. Who is? No, 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 it's better than that. She just, she's, she's leaving the bathroom, she opens the door, and a figure just, like, walks up to her, like, really quickly, and she goes, what? Punches him in the face, and it turns out to be Speed. That sort of introduces the character of Speed, the unstable drug addict. Oh, that's Speed! <laughs> uh, so the deal, so they're discussing basically the payment, um... Speed reluctantly, reluctantly, sort of denies it for some reason. As, uh, denies what? I guess the drugs or the money. Uh, he doesn't. Well, he he does. He for some reason he has to like he has the drugs on him, but he doesn't bring them up to the room where he's counting the money. I I I didn't really follow what was happening there, but he insists that like whatever he's got, it's it's good. It's 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 good. It's good pure crystal. Who really knows? This movie oft tends to remove a lot of details that are probably important. Um, <laughs> yeah. But suddenly, cars basically begin to park outside a factory, which causes Speed to freak out and run uh, with, the money, with the money as well as Ray's gun. So they basically chase after him until Speed eventually runs into our main villain, uh, Nikki. Uh, played by uh, Paul Logan, uh, who later uh, became an asylum fix fixture. Uh, I know him mainly as the the protagonist of Mega Piranha, um, and here he's uh, he's wearing a John Travolta wig, which is it's <laughs> this beautiful line where Speed, when runs him, he just says "fuck," and then Nikki says back to him, "Yep," which is like yeah. really <laughs> yeah. It might as well have been yep, actually. That might have had more, like, gravitas than what he said, which was just, yeah. He's trying to be cool, and but silent. he grabs him. Um, but yeah, he is, again, to, to Pulp Fiction reference number one here, He uh, he's obviously tr going for a sort of John Travolta-y uh, look. He's got, like, he's got like a, a, a wig of, of long hair. And I'm guessing it's a wig, because he seems 
really uncomfortable with it. Like, every time he gets to a fight scene, anytime, like, you know, some, like, uh, hair from the wig falls in his face, he immediately, like, sweeps, sweeps his, his, the, 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 the wig back, uh, to, to keep his face clear. He just seems really, like, uncomfortable and unused to it, so... I'm, I'm just guessing here, but... Uh, so Speed gets captured and took into uh, the boss, uh, who reminds me a lot of Ryan Howard from The Office. I just This came to me when I was watching it. <laughs> he speaks in that sort of weirdly casual kind of way every time he talks. That's just mildly sarcastic. Well, he's, I think he's, tr- uh, there also there are scenes where, like, when he's, like, interrogating someone, he's, like, he's oscillating between calm voice and screaming. I think he's trying to do, like, a Samuel Jackson sort of thing. Like, I think he's trying to be that, and failing miserably, I should add. So they basically threaten Speed uh, to find out where the drugs went, um... You stole from us, Speed. Oh yeah, I forgot to mention one thing: is that his very first line is that toilet doesn't flush. He says he says he oh, says right. off screen. He's he's established immediately as mm. a rich brat. Because he's like, because like he is the he is the like son of the head of whatever criminal syndicate this is whatever. that Speed that whatever it is that 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 speed stole the drugs from and he is here with the the assassins he has a sort of looming time uh schedule onto him uh because he's gonna he doesn't want to be late for his family's dinner party just a vague vague sort of you know rich people rich people evil mafia boss kind of style hey 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 in this family dinner means everything capiche even though he's not Italian. <laughs> no way. Hey. Uh, so, uh, so they proceed to kill, kill Speed by accident. Uh, he snaps his fingers and Nikki proceeds to murder him. Um, he, he, he shoots, shoots him. him. Snap apparently meant hurt and point means kill. He's sort of, he has this little kind of like, kind of, oh, I you kinda... did the thing I didn't want to do. And they, they sort of, well, you've, you, you've, you fucking idiot! Like snap means uh, break his neck. Uh, point means shoot. I, I like that though. He's he's a uh, he he's a he's a, he's try hard. He's like I mean this whole movie is try hard, but he's the most try hard of, of it all. Uh, he like he he really wants to he wants to make sure you know uh th- that you know he's he's the tough guy. He's like you know guys, you're ruining our style. <laughs> so. Something else I love about the scene as well is when I count the money, uh, he says like, "So we have about fifteen thousand dollars here, and you're gonna need uh, we had so this would actually probably worth about fifty thousand uh, dollars. Do you know how much that is?" And it's like, "Oh, it's about you know thirty five thousand dollars." He's like, "You know why I didn't ask Nikki to do that?" Because Nikki's stupid. Well, he doesn't. He doesn't. Crazy amount of money. It's thirty five thousand. He doesn't. Well, I mean, more than that, he doesn't add onto that line. He th- he just leaves it there. Those I didn't ask Nikki to do that. It's like, okay, like, like the implication that they're trying to get at is that Nikki is the uh the the he's he's the yeah. strength. He's he's the he he's uh, the. We he's should the say this sort of this sort of this um 
but but it's but it's so unclear. I mean, it, it's it's a terrible this sort of supervisor one. man named Bobby who's sort of watching all of um, uh, what's his name. He, he, he he's like the old Dan's, man. He's yeah, the, he's the, the old like boss's son. Uh, Bobby is the sort of supervisor to him. Yeah, he's he's like the old hand in this uh, syndicate. Like not not family, so not like you know head honcho, but like second, so like right hand man basically. After this proceeds to happen, uh, our our main good guy gang basically starts to run scatter. Um, Ray gets captured, uh, which is a, a recurring element from this film. Uh, so yeah, so. When the when the syndicate when they kill when they kill Speed, we're about like fifteen minutes into the film, and we've met all of our characters, we've established the plot, and now we have an hour of just the so slowest track. Because like it's like okay, that everything's been set up, the premise has been established. Now it's just uh, uh, pick them all Basically. off until they die. Um, by so. One. That's, that's Ray, uh, Ray gets caught movie. and um, he's presumably killed, uh, but surprise, surprise, he's not. Um, Heather gets a sort of vision of him dying or something, where at the same time, the Nikki also then proceeds to get a vision of Heather having this vision, which sort of establishes a sort of psychic link between the two. Um, this, <laughs> is, this is so fucking unnecessary weird. there's so much in this movie that's unnecessary i mean firstly there's just way too many characters yeah, like, in this movie but also, but yes like he uh what's his name dan uh, yes uh the 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 lead of the 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 amateur uh drug dealers so yeah they capture him and nikki shoots him at point blank range um but he turns to his right and the way the the, the camera uh, the way the shots are set up it looks like heather came out a door uh, to his right, and he spotted her, and then turned back and shot Dan again at point blank range, um, and and then he says, "I had a vision," no, so we can't even trust what we're seeing. It, it, it... <laughs> Super strange. Um, so, oof, okay, all right. So he now you might be wondering why I emphasized. Uh, point blank okay. range. Just gonna say it again. Point blank. It missed. Range. The bullet missed. That's uh, what we're trying to say. Ray dodged the bullet somehow and survived it. And yet, is so- somehow injured. Dan reveals he went to USC too, which is a really important de- uh, detail. Wait. Yeah, wait, Dan. Dan or... uh, the boss son. He went to oh, USC. Sh- oh. Oh wait, shoot. Okay, wait, hang on. Who who's who's the the head Dan. of the drug dealers? What's his name? His name's Dan. No, no, no. The amateur drug oh, dealers. Oh, uh, that's Ray. Ray. Okay, sorry. I I I I kept I kept saying that Nikki shot oh, Dan. Okay. <laughs> I meant to say Ray. No, Dan. I mean, to be fair, Dan is a really lazy name for your. Dan also he's not he's not they're not drug dealers they're like they're that that they're they're higher up than that they don't they don't do the drug dealing they lead the the yeah, yeah. whatever the syndicate is they had they drug he's dealers the were for boss, them though. I I assume yeah yeah, yeah. he Dan's not Ray a drug is dealer. a drug dealer as well as trying to play there <laughs> mild confusion but anyway with the, okay so, okay so so point blank range guy shot is Ray yeah, he lives somehow don't think about him 
But is but is injured? He's he's like severely injured, but if the bullet missed then I guess it well it might have not have did we actually see the bullet on the ground? Okay. No. Oh, okay, we should we should explain how, how this this happened. So uh, a little bit later, the other amateur drug dealers come down, and they discover Ray lying on the ground, and Heather, uh, uh, his girlfriend, goes, oh, thank God the bullet missed, and that's all we get. Yeah. It's so, to, it's again, so to, to, again, to the aftermath of a, of, a, of a situation where he was shot at point-blank range. Around this time, Nikki also gets a vision of him, uh, his, his betrayal. Basically, it's this weird thing where they're constantly cutting every time someone, every time Dan or Bobby insults Nikki, he they flashes to a future event in the film where he proceeds to murder both of them. I'm not sure why the filmmakers decide to put this in here because it's sort of just shoving a spoiler in your face before it happens. Again, also, a, a supernatural element isn't what it's this movie it. needed. It's weird. It's very asylum esque, though. So you have that kind of thing. It is. You're right. It is. It very much is. Definitely has that whole um, air to it. Uh, where were we? Okay. Um, so. So they're all yeah, hiding, they're hiding upstairs. The killers are, are are trying to track them down. I think this is where Speed. Oh, Speed is like dead. Um, uh, Charlie, the high pitched boy. Charlie. Uh, he, sorry. He, yes. He, uh, he steals uh, the drugs and tries to run out and escape. Um, and. Tries well, he he has yeah, a, he has plan a plan. Basically, work he has with plan. the villains. I'll, I'll I'll tell them where the drugs are, and they'll let me go. Yep, totally, definitely gonna happen. Um, uh, Dan is trying to. They found we found out that Dan has actually brought his younger brother along on this mission. That's sort of a first time thing, and he gets extremely sort of pissy about it. It's like I want this to be my professional mission. I'm so cool. I don't want to take care of me. Dan. Great, great, ex- great expository dialogue there, by the way. Because uh, 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 yeah, little little bro is like punk ass, like pompadour hair, older brother. <laughs> <laughs> uh, this is a really heartwarming scene with them both. We're just like, I don't want you to get hurt, little bro. And he's like, shut up. I can handle myself. It's like mm-hmm. I love you. Mm-hmm. It's you know, sort of brotherly love, brotherly love, sort of um, kind of beautiful acting between both of them i'd say uh the, the all to be clear benjamin is, is completely making this up it's, <laughs> it's romantic it's, it's heartwarming it's, it's like he barely dan dan barely says anything he's just like just make sure you're safe like you know <laughs> um so uh charlie charlie runs into them and tries to make the deal work it spoiler it doesn't um the, the, again, another another Pulp Fiction-y uh, sort of uh, a thing here is when they shoot um, Charlie, uh, they, they, it's like three of them uh, all like just unloading their guns into him. And the, the sound effect they're using is very reminiscent of the um, uh, Say What Again uh, scene in Pulp Fiction where uh, John Travolta and Samuel Jackson unload their guns into the one guy and that just that the really loud loud bullet sound it's it's like i feel like they they use that same sound for that that scene uh strangely enough though i think every other time a a bullet gets shot it's it's not quite that no it's definitely you know heightened for dramatic kind of flair 
Uh, what's next? Okay, so he dies, um, which is nothing new. He's the next character down. Um, Jude, glasses guy, and yeah, Heather shop, basically try and plan escape as along with Suki. Jude tries to scout out the place and then runs into Nikki. They sort of commence this sort of boss fight scene. Nikki, Nikki has the amazing power of being able to walk after a uh, victim who's running away and still catch up with them. Uh, surprise, surprise! Nikki kills Glasses Guy. Um, not oh wait, no, 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 we have to. We have to set this up. We, this is the, this is the this is the elevator yeah, yeah, that's fight, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So, uh, uh, glasses guy, yeah, he's run into a freight elevator and he's like clambered up to like a dark corner, uh, on, like one side of the freight elevator, and he's like breathing so heavily that like Nikki walks in and he's just sort of like walking around this freight elevator, looking up into the shadows, and you can hear glasses guy just like breathing really heavily, um. But Nikki, like, he sort of, like, walks away. So it's like, oh, okay. Uh, you didn't, he didn't find him. Then he grabs the, the freight elevator doors and slams them shut. Music picks up, turns around, he gets a zoom-in shot. And then Glasses Guy, for whatever reason, jumps down into the light uh, to boss fight him. Boss battle. Boss battle. Boss battle. Well, it's, well, and he goes, he goes, he goes, ah! Oh, he gets, he gets, he, he, charges he gets hit once. And he gets immediately hit once and just gets flunked. <laughs> ah, just charges at him and just immediately gets knocked to the ground. It's hilarious. Um, and there one bites the dust. Uh, and the movie continues. Uh, Suki and Heather are basically on their own for now. Um, I think Heather is basically holding on to Ray, who's still injured and can't, is like knocked out. Another, another, another weird instance happens here of uh, uh, the, the vision, the supernatural element where Heather is comforting uh, Ray uh, and I, God, I cannot remember these names. Don't worry um, about them. They don't matter. And she, she's, so she's sort of like, like holding him in his arms being like, don't worry, don't worry. We'll, we'll, we'll be these assholes. Don't worry. And then, and she's in she's in a lit room, and then you see Nikki walk up in the next room, and he's looking. He's, he's like in the shadow, and he's looking into that lit room where Heather is, and then he turns around towards the camera and walks away. So again, I guess we're supposed to take this as like a, as a another vision that he's seeing. Um, brother, uh, brother man, <laughs> try uh, finds Heather, and then he basically attacks her. Um. They fight a bunch, and this is the room with the fish tank. Yeah, this is the room with the fish tank. Grabs, grabs Heather, tries to drown her in the fish tank. Uh, Heather then proceeds to sort of, I don't know, switch, I switch around, and doesn't he like just just struggle, just, just struggle a bit until what? Is Suki comes to rescue? Yeah, yeah. Su Suki shoots little bro in the back of the head, and he's dead. Um, this sort of proceeds to. Like Dan into this rage, this sort of time was so room esque rage. We start to run around, sort of knocks every single box on the floor. It really is. It really is very a lot like the room. It's it, it the, the at least uh, the the rampage. He's just like ah, uh, <laughs> just not give her boxes. And um, shit. It's a beautiful piece of acting for sure. Why why why? He doesn't actually say that, but he um, just thinks about it. It would actually, yeah. 
He takes his suit off too. That's how you know he's he's really angry. His he takes his suit off and you just see his his, his undershirt. Uh... Um, at this point, they then ask to bring in uh, Cancer Man, who is a man who has cancer, who's alone. Who has not been introduced? Until right now. He's until basically point, the guy right? who drives the car. Sort of chauffeur. He, yeah, he's so he's another one of the killers, also in a suit. He's awesome. Yeah, he's cancer. That's his character, by the way. British. He's cancer. That's his character. He, he has a British accent. And he has and, cancer. And he, he, has he has cancer. cancer. Which, again, is, is not made. He says that clear. one time he has cancer. And that's his character. What? He says, time? I have cancer. That's his character. You don't even meet him until maybe like two oh, thirds of the way yeah, into yeah. the movie. Um, they all proceed to argue, uh, the main villains, um, after uh, Little Bro dies. Um, this is an extremely Reservoir Dogs scene esque scene. Uh, yeah. No, no, it totally is. Uh, this everything's sort of falling apart. Um, they're all sort of fighting between each other. Heather then kidnaps Cancer Dude. And tries to threaten to shoot him, but he's like, eh, "Kill me, I have cancer." Because that's his character. He has cancer, by the way. Um, so you're he has cancer. He has cancer. It's tragic. Uh, I'm really not sure why he's here in the first place. He is so extreme. Okay, like there, there's, there's, like I said, there are way too fucking many characters in this movie. This this movie could have been done with like four characters tops, like. Be done. Instead, it has like, like. 11. So Heather decides not to kill Cancer Dude and leaves him to his suffering injury. Uh, he comes back later, though. Don't worry. Um, Bobby, who is the supervisor again, um, basically insults Nikki one last time. The number number two yeah. man. He insults Nikki one last time, which causes Nikki to enter some sort of rage mode. He rips off his shirt and chokes out him. Well, they actually he talks about put with putting Nikki down. Yeah. Like there's a scene like like when when they're like when when things are starting to break down and the the killers are like uh uh like you say the the risk for dogs esque scene where like they're they're getting they're, they're getting frustrated. Uh, Nikki wanders away and uh and and Bobby's like, all right, gotta put him down and. It, 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 it comes out of nowhere. Like the supernatural uh, uh, element, it comes out of nowhere, and it's completely completely extraneous. Um, I feel like this is the point in the movie where the filmmakers were like, shit, we still have like four other characters we have to kill <laughs> off. Uh, how, can we speed, how can we speed this up? So then he then seeks out Dan, who then, he then proceeds to kill Dan, uh, Nikki. Um, that's yeah. Again, Nikki, one of the killers, is killing yeah, the yeah. rest of he, the he killers. He just breaks. He just goes crazy. Um, he, this is the flashback. This is the little flash scenes uh, are the scene of him murdering uh, Dan in the bathroom, and we then find out that toilet truly does not flush as he gets killed with a toilet. So, oh, I didn't notice sort of that. A little callback. So that that oh, one line you should have heard. I don't think. I'm pretty sure that we should have heard that line. Oh, with this, but whatever. Good, good catch. Um, cancer guy it remains alive, surprisingly enough, even though he has cancer. Uh, and he attacks Suki, um, tries to choke her out. Um, 
And I think Suki then proceeds to get killed, but not before Heather shoots uh, Cancer Guy. Cancer so. Guy. And then, um, yeah, and, and then Heather and Suki have a brief... Uh, oh, wait, no, no. Before that, before that, uh, Heather and Suki are, are sort of like... Like, Suki's like something against a wall because uh, um, she gets killed with the plastic bag. Yeah. Right, right. Like, so before that, yeah, there's something against the wall. It's Heather and Suki. Um, and Suki sort of like, she's been in severely injured and she looks at Heather and goes, you look like a warrior. Which I think, I think for that, that technicality, I guess this movie passes the Bechdel <laughs> test. Incredibly enough. It might be the only Asylum film to do so. Um, Heather escapes, uh, and Muscle Man sort of rips off his shirt. Uh, oh, sorry. I'm, I, I call him Muscle Man in my um, notes for some reason. I yeah. I mean, that's what he is. That's I, what he is. Yeah. Super, super, supernatural Muscle Man. Um, so the, she runs down to the basement, and she proceeds to then find Ray, who's strung up Christ-like on this sort of webbing. At the basement of the factory yeah, the for big, some uh, reason. Like at a big fisherman's net. He's I guess like, we imply that um, Nikki put him up there, maybe. But why would he do that? As a trap, a bait. As bait. So it's sort of final fight scene with uh, Nikki and um, Heather. It's called fight, a fight scene. scene. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bunch of zoom ins on their faces, is the fight scene, basically. It's a bunch of zoom-ins on their faces, and I guess the psychic link they apparently share uh, alarms Heather. I'm, I'm completely speculating here, by the way. I have no idea if this is actually the filmmaker's intent, but um, um, Heather, I guess, uh, hears uh, uh, Nikki approach from behind, and she slowly, slow motion, s spins around, and she's holding a shotgun by this point. Where'd she get the shot? It's from the Australian guy, yeah. right? From Cancer Guy. That's where he got the shot. She got the shotgun, um, and 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 shoots Nikki and mm -hmm. kills him. And that's in the film. Heather that. sort of uh, caused the, the next yeah. morning. All the cops and the ambulances they, are there. They drag off Ray. It's unknown if Ray lives or not. They don't really say or not. Um, Heather sort of. We, well, we know Heather doesn't live because she says that was the day Heather I died. Heather doesn't die, but at the same time, she's never felt more alive. Which makes, I mean, like... The Heather we know has died. That, that ending monologue, I'd love if you could drop that ending monologue into this podcast <laughs> somehow, again. because it, it is... No it audio is, music, okay. It's it, it's but it's it's just so nonsensical. Like it's self contradictory, um, and it also terrible writing. That's the film. That's killers, everybody. What a killer uh, podcast we just did. Did you see what I did there? Uh, huh? Huh? Um, it definitely has the hallmarks of the asylum all over it. Like like even at this early stage, they were making uh just artless <laughs> dreck even if they're uh uh there's no cgi no, in this movie so so it wasn't best. it wasn't quite as artless as, as they would uh later be known for um and they are tr they are trying uh um 
some things here. They are trying some little camera tricks and whatnot. And like I say, things like the lighting. Uh, but it, it's it's a very try-hard movie. Um, and it's it's definitely trying to be sort of Tarantino-esque uh, and sort of an edginess, but, um, but, but with like none of the inside or, or real creativity. Um, I mean that that is what the asylum is. To be fair, it's it's, it's, it's like edgy. Quentin Tarantino it's, made it's a film, book. except there was no scripts and there was no except actors, in it, <laughs> and there was no uh, there was no cameras. Um, I mean, I, even even the 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 title of their studio, the asylum, is such a '90s edgelord <laughs> thing. Uh, well, uh, it's, oh, we're it's crazy. actually under the uh, name Icon Films, which is the earlier version. That's true. They had to come up with the name. They had to it come up with the name Asylum yet. And design, though. They had to come up with the name Asylum yet, but th- this is this is who they are. Yeah, so that's it. Um, it's the start of the Asylum. There's a lot of things here that are sort of, I don't know, reflective of future films, I'd say. It couldn't even crack 90 minutes. This movie is only like 75 minutes long, I think. With like about ten minutes of credits, they just really try to pad out that length. Um, yeah, I'd say the best thing about this film for sure is definitely the I don't know villains. I'd say they're the one who really gives performance or characters. The 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 actor playing the uh, uh, the the cartel leader, the family Damn. man, like guy. He he is trying. He is legitimately trying. I'll give him that. Um, but um, but he's he's very much out of his element is the thing. Like he's not intimidating, and they're trying to. Well, actually, they don't really Again, know he's what they're doing. From the office. They don't, they don't, he can't be intimidating. They don't seem to know what are. He does look so much like Ryan from The Office, but um, uh, but like they don't seem to know whether to like make him like uh, cold and intimidating or kind of whiny, uh, rich kid, you know, wannabe tough guy. They sort of hint at the later, but they can't quite convey it because they're just not they're they're just not good enough at this. No, it was good first try. I have fact and seen uh, high school. Uh, it was film not films. a good. I've seen high school film films do better fight scenes than this film has ever done. I mean, it's it's more it's less fight scene and more just camera sort of spinning around. <laughs> it's, it's like, and 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 while well, everything is hidden in complete you shadow, this is a the found lighting in this film, movie is terrible. I probably believe you. No, I think it's, it's that it's, same level. Of there's a there's a there, there's a there's a certain uh, uh stagecraft so. to a found footage <laughs> movie you, no no totally there, if anything there's more of a stagecraft to a found footage movie because you have to make it look like it's it's on a like a no, camp but what I'm saying, no, this, like is a, this is a found footage way. movie what i mean by that is that someone brought and just filmed this they were trying to film a film <laughs> Oh, I, a found footage film. This, I, I, I this film is a found footage film. It literally, literally I mean, you mean this is literally someone's yes. like high school project that someone found. I see. It feels like it, at least. Um, uh, that's it. That's the podcast. Um, uh, we'll probably do. An... Would you recommend watching Killers? <sighs> that's tough. If you're curious at all about the asylum. And I'm not sure why you would be. I'd say watch this film. 
I mean, if you're if you're freaks <laughs> like us, uh, watch this film if you're curious about the sort of origins of people like Nikki, and that's it. The uh, yeah, I mean, it's definitely a sign of things to come. It definitely has the the asylums uh, trademarks all over it. Um, but yeah, I would not recommend this movie at all. Um, nor would I would most asylum films, to be perfectly honest. Uh, but um, yeah, this um, it's it's like I say, everything gets established in the first fifteen minutes, and everything afterwards is just a long drag to the finish. There's no real entertainment to it. It's just uh. uh I had to watch this movie three oh, yes, times for okay. the recording of this yeah. podcast. Let's and this. Uh, let me tell you, it does not get any better. With okay, each so because of previous it audio even get failures, any more comprehensible we, this is the third viewing. time we've both seen this film. Third time was the charm, though. Third time I was the charm. I liked it the second time I watched this film more than the first time. The third film, though, was a massive drag. Watch this film twice if you care. Don't watch this film a third time. The first film is a. This, this watch film, the first time you watch this film, is this sort of fever dream of random images, random images, scenes that have not yet happened yet, and nonsense dialogue. The second time you watch, some of those flashbacks and visions start making sense a bit more, because um, you sort of know that oh, that's a vision, not just some random thing we're seeing. Uh, but other than that. See, it, it took bad. me until my third viewing to, to figure that out. It's like, oh, there's a supernatural element to this movie. And then I got mad. Why is there a supernatural element to this movie? To this terror, to this, to this, you know, in the vein of Quentin Tarantino, you know, how he did all this supernatural. Remember that movies. part where Mr. Pink then used his magic vision powers to find out uh, who the killer was and who the cop um, secretly turned out to be? I like that part a lot. Oh god, I love that scene. Oh god, I love that scene. Do you remember do you remember when do you remember when uh do you remember when uh they play uh, Stuck in the Middle with you? Uh, he starts dancing around but you can't actually see it because it's all <laughs> in like half half illuminated like a fluorescent light. Beautiful. It was, a, it was a heartbreaking scene. I'm glad we didn't see it. Classic classic moment of cinema. Okay, that's the podcast everybody. Um you know a film that we do in fact recommend is the source the so surge so the surge source which the film we're watching source. next week uh, is probably the best assignment film I've personally ever seen it's it's up there it's it's so actually good so stay tuned next week for that and this is a podcast uh, see you everybody bye laters the day you die feels just like any other day. That dark and rancid building on the edge of nowhere, that is where I died. Now I know death isn't an ending, but a beginning. A door to a place within yourself, deep within your soul. The day you die, that's the day you know who you need. Here I am, stuck in the middle with you. Cause I'm